0: you guys did that last song that was a fun song uh there's a couple lines i couldn't even sing (laughs) as as we go through that story and and why jesus came and what he's going to do it's it's so humbling um you know the rough thing about this time of year is it's probably the busiest time of year (laughs) it's the time of year it's cold and flu season it's shopping season it's all of this but yet it's the time when hopefully we can take a time out and just uh Remember what Jesus did for us. Remember what God did by sending his son um, to die for us. So let me pray one more time as we kick off. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It is all for your glory. It's all for you. We love you. Amen. So thinking about the Christmas season, of course, we think about giving. We think about gifts. And I don't know how many of you, I've been talking to some others. Maybe my school was the only one. How many of you had secret Santa, or no, no, Santa's workshop at school where they would let you out and go to the gym? Yeah, you guys had that? You guys had that? Okay. A lot of people didn't. We had this thing where... You go to school, and they would release you by class to go to the gym, and you take your money, and through the gym would be tables set all over, and you could go and buy stuff for your family. You could buy Christmas gifts, Um, and that was really fun, and I remember my parents would give me money, so they'd say, okay, today is your Santa's workshop day. Here's $20 or whatever it was. Now, go buy gifts for your sisters and for us. I had three sisters, so every year, and I remember walking in and, and having my $20 and walking around and looking at all this stuff going... I want that (laughs) and I want that and you know I saw all the things I wanted looking out there but my point in there was to be buying gifts for other people that was why my parents gave me the money they the the interesting part is as a kid my parents gave me money to buy them gifts you remember that maybe you had that your parents yeah maybe it still happens right your parents are like hey here's 50 bucks go get me something nice And when they do that, you then have a choice. You know, I had a choice as I walked into Santa's workshop. How much am I going to spend on me? (laughs) Mom and Dad gave me twenty bucks. Let's see, that's a dollar. Amanda, that's my older sister. She gets that. That's two dollars. Lindsay gets, and I go back through. What? All right, I got ten bucks left for me. (laughs) You know, Um, and things don't change too much, do they? (laughs) As we get older, I I was recently shopping, um, looking for Christmas gifts. I went to Bed Bath and Beyond, and I'm walking through. I'm like. (gasps) I want that, ooh, a Frappuccino maker, you know, Bronco Denver Bronco slippers, I need those. So we can be the same way. Today I want to talk about giving. And I want to talk about giving partly because it's that time of year um, where we get thinking about giving to other people. And we should be thinking about what God has given us and taking a time out. But based on God's giving to us, that leads straight into our giving as well. Um, So turn to 2 Corinthians, if you would, please. That's where we're going to be. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Anybody need a Bible? No? Good. If you have one of these Bibles, we're on page 668. 668. And we're going to be looking at giving. And I started out, this is in your notes, if you're a note taker. But just right on the top, I said this. Those with a mature faith a clear understanding of the gospel which we just sang about and a heartfelt commitment to Jesus as Lord will be generous and sacrificial givers. Let me let me read that again. Right. You know, I thought about how to word this and I wanted to word it in the most positive way possible and this is this is what I came up with. Those with a mature faith and remember we talked about that in our first get-togethers, what's God's desire for us maturity? That we are sanctified, we grow to maturity. And so those with a mature faith and a clear understanding of the gospel, of what God has done. Jesus came, died for us, and gives us life. And a heartfelt commitment to Jesus as Lord will be generous and sacrificial givers. You know, money is always a sensitive topic. And as a, as a church planter, one of the things other church planters tell you, and in the training they tell you, is teach about giving early and often, because you need to pay the bills. <laughs> and I struggle, I'll be honest, I struggle with that a little bit. I struggle with that of, okay, we're starting a church and now we need to talk about giving because we need money so we can pay the bills. And although that's true, I struggle with the motive because there's, for me, there's part of, if God's doing a work, he'll provide for it. You know, you've heard of, I think it was Hudson Taylor, the missionary, um, and and he he did orphanages in in England, Great Britain, and he, he never really asked for money. He just would pray, and God always provided. And, and they never had money in their bank account. <laughs> they never, you know, they often lacked food until they needed it right then. There's a story of um, the orphans. There's a 100 or so, and they get up in the morning, and they sit around, uh, and there's no food. There's nothing in the cupboards, and so they sit down, and he says, We're going we're gonna to pray that God will provide breakfast. We're going to pray for breakfast. And so they pray, and there's a knock on the door, and here's the baker, the town baker. He said, God woke me up in the middle of the night and said I had to cook for you. And so, just there it is. And so, that's kind of the way I see ministry. God will provide for what He wants to do. And so, I struggle with the motive of of teaching on giving. But, but the other side is this: that that beginning, of those with a mature faith, a clear understanding of the gospel, and a heartfelt commitment to Jesus as Lord will be generous and sacrificial givers. So, because I love you, I have to. <laughs> I have to teach on giving because I love you, and I want you to experience all that God has for you. Um, so. Teaching on giving is not any pastor's favorite thing, um, and so it's painful to to preach. Sometimes it's not for me, and sometimes it's painful to hear because you have to look at yourself. <laughs> so um, we'll be uncomfortable together. But the context, as we're looking at here um, in Second Corinthians eight, the context is this: Paul is writing to this Corinthian church, and he's encouraging them to give. To the Jerusalem Church, the Jerusalem Church is poor and suffering and persecuted, and so they're taking a collection. They had started it a year before, and he's writing, and he's saying, "Finish this collection, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to take it, and we'll go to Jerusalem. We're going to take it there." And in this, we see the principles of giving. And so, if you see in your notes, there's going to be some principles of giving, um, but we need to get the the foundation first because. We don't want to just talk about giving and feel guilted into giving. We need to understand why we give and and the the ground for giving, the foundation. And Paul gives it to us. So we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm actually going to start in verse 7. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. Paul writes this. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in, in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Uh, what he's talking about when he says this act of grace, he's using the word grace to refer to giving this act of grace. It's actually a a grace we get to give. I mean, we're blessed to be able to give. So this act of grace, he says, you're doing well in all these other things. You have good faith, you know, you know, your scriptures, you're studying your Bible. Now add to all these good things that you're doing, add giving, add giving. And so he says, excel in this act of grace. Verse eight, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is is also genuine. One of uh, the big tests, when I talk to somebody about their faith, one of the big tests, how is your faith? Oh, it's good. How's your giving? Um, (laughs) Giving is proof, is proof of how our faith is. You know, where's your faith? Look at one, your time. Look at your calendar. Where does your time go? And look at where your giving goes. And that's a real gauge of where you are spiritually. And that's what he's saying there in verse eight. Uh, You know, proof, prove the earnestness of your love. And now in verse nine, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, grace, he's been used as as a word for giving. So, uh, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is what I want us to think about just to begin with. And, And. Put everything else out of your mind for a minute and just think about the Christmas season. What were we just singing about? Jesus as a baby born in a manger. You know, that hallelujah song. Are we singing that again next week? I hope so. It's a good song. I put in a request right there. <laughs> but the words are great. We're remembering the story. But just imagine what did what did God do? When Jesus came, we get so bogged down, at least I do. Year after year, Christmas, it's all the same, right? We'd go through the whole thing, and we remember, and we sing the songs. But what did God do? And this verse says, Jesus, God, Jesus came, and he, in his wealth, in his riches, he became poor. So that through his poverty, we could become rich. Now, he's talking materially on his part, and spiritually on our part. Jesus became poor, Humble was killed for us, you know, physically, so that spiritually we could become rich. If you have Jesus Christ as Lord in your life, what more do you need? What more? I mean, really, what is it? We can walk by faith, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these things. This is the life we get to live right now. Awesome. Because of what Jesus did on the cross and in our lives. And now we're rich and we look forward and we have the hope. I was talking to Mark before. He had a good friend pass away recently and he got to speak at the funeral and share the gospel. Uh, And what Mark was saying, he says, his hope, he doesn't hope to see his friend. He knows he's going to see his friend. So it's a hope, a a confident assurance that it's going to happen. Isn't that awesome? He misses his friend. We all have people probably that have passed away. We miss them. But if they knew Christ, we're going to see him again. What more do we need? So look at what, that's our wealth. But I want to go back in time just a little bit, real quick, and think about God. Think about our God and his holiness and his majesty in this Christmas season. What happens anytime somebody is exposed to the glory of God? Remember Moses? When Moses at the burning bush, you know, he he sees the bush burning and he goes up. He's like, what's this about? And, And then a voice comes out of the bush. You know, I am the God of your fathers. And what does Moses do? You know, he takes off his shoes and he covers his eyes. You can't look at God. Nobody can look at the glory of God. Later, as Moses became the prophet that spoke with God and then brought that message to people, he would wear a veil because his face would shine after speaking with God. He would glow. <laughs> can you imagine that? Just being in God's presence makes you glow. So Moses would come back glowing. The prophet, um, the prophet uh, Isaiah, uh, he received a, a vision, uh, communicated with God, and this is in Isaiah 6. And he stands before God. God appears to him and starts to speak. And what does Isaiah do? He falls on his knees and says, woe is me, I'm done. <laughs> He's exposed to God and says, uh, there goes my life. I'm done. And God takes care of it. He atones for his sins. He touches his lips with a coal. He has a, a seraph come, and, or a cherub. I'm not sure the difference. <laughs> and, and touches his lips with a coal and purifies him. But he just falls down. I'm done. Oh, my goodness. I cannot be in God's presence. The apostle John, in the book of Revelation, He's exposed to Jesus in his glory. Jesus is glorified, and and John appears before him. And what does he do? He falls down as if dead. This is is our God. (laughs) You cannot be in his presence and live. You can't, unless he is going to atone or deal with it in some way. The Ark of the Covenant. You remember the Ark of the Covenant was made. And it was a symbol of God's presence among his people. But what happened if you touched it? You, You fell over dead, and it happened. People actually died, you know, they were carrying it up a hill and, and it slipped and somebody reached out to steady it. You know, you reached out to steady it and fell over dead. Th- this is our God, his glory. Once they, they built the temple, um, and even when they had the tent, they had the Holy of Holies, the ark was in there. Once a year, the high priest could go in there. Once a year, the high priest could come into the direct presence of God. But when he did, he went, he, he purified himself before he went. He went in with fear and trembling. They would tie a, a rope to his foot. So if he fell over dead in there, they could drag his body out. So this is our God. Our God is glorious. We cannot be in his presence. And that's the God that decided, I'm going to put my glory aside for now and become a man. You know, we're not going to look at it, but in Philippians where it goes through and it talks about what Jesus did, setting aside his godly attributes. He never ceased to be God, but he set aside his glory temporarily and he became poor. I mean, picture that God becoming a baby born in a barn born in a manger that is poverty and then he goes through life being spit on here's the glory that you can't even be in his presence and now people are spitting on him and they're getting away with it it looks like that's humility so that's what we need to understand as we as we look at what happened and as we talk about giving is our giving starts with what God gave to us he became poor he set aside his glory and then he died a brutal, horrible, horrible death. Before he went, he didn't want to do it. Jesus didn't want to do it. He was, he was sweating drops of blood. He was so anxious about what was going to happen. But he did it anyway. He died and then he rose. And we know he went back to glory. But he became poor for us. He gave it all for us. Then we can consider how we give. <laughs> once we understand that. Now, this is in, in your notes there. Our example, that's our feeling, our example and motivation for giving is Jesus. He gave up his glory, then his life for us. So he is both our example and our motivation. That's what we see in Philippians when he talks about Jesus as the example of humility. He's our example of humility, of giving. He's really our example for everything. But he's also our motivation. And we need motivation, don't we? We need to know the why. And here's the why. Because of what Jesus has done for us. If we understand this truly, I can pretty much be done. Because the Holy Spirit in us will work out the rest. I really believe that. If we understand what God did for us, we will be generous and sacrificial givers. It's just going to happen. But Paul goes through and he, he gives us a lot of principles. So we're going to look at those principles of giving. Because it's helpful. But we can't look at the principles without being motivated by Jesus to do it. Because if we do, we're just giving out of... of guilt or we're giving to get something we're giving with the wrong motive but we want to be giving with the right motive so look look back 2nd Corinthians 8 9 I'm gonna read that again for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich he was God in all his glory yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich now one thing before we look at the principles what's our response to that knowledge What's our response when you know what God did for you through Jesus Christ? What's the response? There's only one proper response, and it's to give everything back to him. That's the response. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul writing, and we should all be able to say this. I am dead is what he says. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's the proper response. When you understand what God has done for us through Jesus, the only proper response is just to lay it all down and go, woe is me, I'm I'm done. (laughs) And I give it all back to you. I give it all back to you. Um, We're given the example in 2 Corinthians 8, 5. Just look up a few verses. And Paul writes this. This is in his topic of giving. He says, and this... Talking about giving, he's talking about other people giving. And this, not as we expected. These other people who gave, they gave generously and sacrificially more than expected. But they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So that's the order of giving. You understand what God has done. You give yourself to God. Then you give. Then you give. If you mix up the order, you're giving for the wrong reasons. And really there's little benefit to it. God doesn't need your money. I hope you get that. You know, and I hope you understand we don't need your money. God's going to provide for the ministries that he wants to thrive. And he'll let those fail that he doesn't want to keep going. So I trust God to provide. So this is in your notes. Our response is to give ourselves fully to him in loving devotion. We give ourselves fully to him. And then we give of our stuff to him in worship. This is an important part that we need to understand about giving. Giving is worship. The wise men, the wise men, you know, the the Christmas story, the the wise men, the magi who traveled from the east and they came to see Jesus and they came to worship him. Remember, they said, where's king of the Jews so we can worship him? One aspect of that worship was they had gifts. They had gifts of value to give to Jesus. So giving is an aspect of worship. When we were talking about how we're going to be doing services at, at Common Ground, and we, we talked about giving. How are we going to do giving? Uh, we talked about, are we going to pass a plate? You know, or are we going to do the box in the back? And we, and we discussed it. And there's really good reasons to pass a plate. You know, one in the group voted for passing a plate. They got voted down, but they had really good reasons for doing that because when you pass a plate, it, it's put right in front of you. That part of worship, and we gather to worship, don't we? Part of worship is giving. And so we pass the plate as a reminder to go, yes, yes, part of worship is giving. Now we decided not to do that, but one of the things that that was emphasized is we need to remind all of us, each other, each week, part of our worship is giving. And so the box is in the back. Part of worship is giving. You can give online, but it's part of worship. It's giving God what is valuable to us. Giving financially is part of it. Giving materially. Giving your time is part of worship. Worship isn't just singing. Singing is great, but what does singing cost you? Maybe some embarrassment, I guess, for some of us. But it, it doesn't really cost us much, but it's giving to God what cost us. Um, remember, if you would, um, King David. You remember King David? When, when uh, he was going to build an altar, he was going to sacrifice to God. And he had a location that he needed to build it on. And he went to the owner of that. And he said, I want to buy the property. I want to buy this so I can build an altar and sacrifice to God. And the owner of the property said, no, you're the king. I'm going to give it to you. I'll give you the land. I'll give you the wood. I'll give you the bulls. I'll give you everything you need. And David said, I'm not going to give to God that which costs me nothing. There's no sacrifice there. It must cost me something. I'm I'm getting into the principles a little bit. But we need to have that that order that we, we give. We give because we've already given ourselves to him. And it's worship. Again, that's the, that's the point. I got off a little bit. But but the point, part of worship is giving. And we can't get away from that. So now, let's do look at some of the principles. Some of the principles. Um, and we'll just read some of this. First, 2 Corinthians 8. Moving on in verse 10. Paul says, And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you. Okay, giving benefits the giver. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So th- they wanted to give, and they started doing it. it. says, so now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completion out of what you have. Verse 12, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. First thing I want you to notice in verse 12, and it's, it's in the verses before, But he's talking about readiness. What is the readiness? The readiness is a desire to give. You were ready before because you desired to do it. Now do what you've desired to do. If you don't desire to do it, uh, there's different philosophies maybe and ideas on what to do at that point. We will talk about that later. But the readiness is desire. Desire to do it and then do it. And what he says in verse 12, this is our first principle. Give proportionately. He says I, I want a person to give out of what he has not out of what he doesn't have here's the point okay if if you're here and we're talking about giving and you're you're inspired to give and you go, oh we need to give you know oh and there's this uh, but we can't really afford that so you know we got credit cards let's give from our credit card Well, you're giving beyond what you have don't do that that's the point give proportionally out of what you have not out of what you don't have you don't need to go in debt to give and give proportionately it's gonna look different for every person We're going to talk about percentage in a few minutes, but it's going to look different proportionately. Somebody who is making $500,000 a year proportionately may look like something. Somebody who makes $30,000 a year proportionately may look like something totally different. But give proportionately out of what you have, which means we don't look at others and go, ooh, I should give as much as they give, Or, or they give less, I should give that much. We really shouldn't be... Telling everybody how much we're giving anyway. That's between us and God. The Bible says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is, is doing. So that, that is a private thing between you and God, but you don't need to compare yourself. Give proportionally out of what God has blessed you with. Um, I was going to share this later, but I, I think it fits here. There was a, as I was studying, I, I came across a story of a, a pastor who was teaching on giving. And he was talking about the tithe, you know, 10%. Um, And and my honest belief is that 10% is a good starting point when it comes to giving. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But, but, uh, you know, to give generously and sacrificially. And so this pastor was teaching on giving and and how in the Old Testament, the tithe was set up 10%. New Testament, we don't have a lot to go off, so it's going to go different. Um, But afterward, a a man came up and he said, you know, he said, for most people, 10% is no big deal. He said, but I make so much money. He said, I'm so wealthy that 10% for me is a lot. If I were to give 10%, I mean, golly, that's no big deal for somebody else. But for me, that's a lot. He said, you know, I, I hear you. Let me pray for him. So he says, you know, Father, I pray for my, my brother right here that you would lower his income so that he can give at least 10%. You know, of course, well, no, that's, that's not what I want. But, but if you think about it, proportionately, if you can't be given 10%, well, then lower your income till you can. So, you know, it's not really a comparison game. It's between you and God. But what is proportionate to you? Now here's the second principle. And it's this. Give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. Look back at 2 Corinthians. And we're going to move back a little bit. Back to verse 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus is our example. Did Jesus give sacrificially? That for his um, Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor. He gave sacrificially. He sacrificed it all. He's our example of giving. So we give sacrificially. Mark 12, 41 through 44 says this. Uh, Jesus is is giving an example of giving. And they're in the temple. uh, And here's Jesus, Mark 12, verse 41. You can just listen. I don't think we have it up there. Um, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering. This is Jesus, and he's watching people give. Many rich people came in giving large sums. And how did Jesus know? Because they're doing this. Look at how much I'm getting. You know, they're, they're, they're showing off how much they're giving. Um, and a poor widow came up and put in two s- small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called to his disciples. He calls a timeout. He says, come here. And he says, look at her. He says, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This, this widow was an example of giving sacrificially. It cost her. Some of these very wealthy people, they didn't even feel it. You know, they're putting in these large sums, but it doesn't affect their life at all. So it wasn't actually a sacrifice. And so Jesus doesn't say, hey, good job, look how much they're giving. He points to the widow who puts in, I mean, what would that do for, for a church budget, for the temple budget? Nothing. But it was significant, significant. For God, for her relationship with God. So we give generously, we give sacrificially, is that second one. Um, If you remember in Acts, when the church began, we talked about this some before, when the church began, what was happening? You know, they were living in community. We, We talked about divine community last week. They were living in this community to the extent that they were selling their stuff. They were selling their extra property. They were selling, and they were bringing it to the disciples so that they could distribute to those who had need. And there was nobody, there was nobody in need among them. They were giving sacrificially, they were selling things. It's a really good example. When Callie and I years ago, um, you know, struggling financially some and and working on our giving, you know, and I've shared this before, but I was was convicted because I'm like, man, we can't be afforded to give much. And then it kind of hit me, well, you have cable, don't you? (laughs) You know, so there's 60 bucks a month you're paying to cable because you need to watch the Broncos on Sunday or whatever but you can't afford to be giving 10%, okay. <laughs> so here's a sacrifice. And for me, that is a sacrifice. No more cable. so we got an antenna put up, we get most of the games. That's great. But But what is it for us? What do we maybe need to sacrifice? Those things that we think we need, but we don't really need. But we're to be giving sacrificially. The next principle. Give freely and joyfully. We're skipping around a little bit. But I want you to look over at 2 Corinthians 9-7. Still on the topic of giving. 2 Corinthians 9-7 Paul says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Not under compulsion. You don't give because you're guilted into it. You don't have a missionary come over and guilt you into giving. You don't come to church and have a pastor guilt you into giving. I've heard of Uh, passing the plate and then looking at how much is in and passing it again well there's not enough so congregation give again you know pony up let's pony up that's not the right attitude for giving under compulsion we give freely and we give joyfully god loves a cheerful giver it says the word there is hilarious hilarion he loves a hilarious giver it should be a joy to give if it's not we need to go back to our first point do we not understand what jesus did for us when we understand that, then we, we give joyfully. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's a joy to have, to give, to share. So we give freely and we give joyfully. And then we already shared this one, but, but give generously. This is number four. Give generously. Look back at Second Corinthians 8. We're, we're moving before a little bit. But Second Corinthians 8, verses 2 and 3. And he's talking about this church in Macedonia, probably Philippi or Thessalonica or both of them. But he says this, he says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy, okay, so they're joyful first, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. So he's giving them an example. These Macedonian churches, he said, they gave not just according to their means, they gave beyond their means. They gave generously, liberally. That's the way us Christians should be. We should give generously. We should give liberally. Just so you know, the average church goer gives about two to three percent. That's the average Christian who attends church. They give two to three percent. That's not a very good average. Christians in general are not known as generous people. There's something wrong with that. Um, I've heard those waitresses or waiters and talk about, you know, Sundays after church. You know, they don't want to work Sundays after church because that's when all the Christians come in and they're all stingy. <laughs> you, you know, they don't tip well. Yeah, and I remember hearing that, that years ago and I thought, man, that is a big deal. Especially if somebody knows I'm a Christian, I better be a good tipper. You know, I think about that two doors down we have this Thai restaurant. They're closed on Sundays, unfortunately. But if you go in there and they know you're part of this, tip them well. Tip them well. Be generous. Be generous with what God has given you. We should be known by our generosity. Again, our example is Jesus, His generosity. And this takes faith. It takes faith to give generously. You know, the widow, she gave everything she had. Right? Well, then what's she going to live on? She had to live by faith that God would provide. Uh, we were doing our trainings down at Hope Church in Las Vegas, and it was a kind of a closed session. I'm not sure they even want all this stuff to be public, so it wasn't that. It was a different church I heard about. Um, and they were talking about back in 07, 08, 09, when things got really bad. Um, and so of course people are losing their jobs. People are going down, giving goes way down. Every church was struggling financially in that time. And so they were struggling. They got to the point, they said, we can't even pay our bills. We can't pay our people. And we only have 75,000 left in the bank. It's a bigger church. You know, that's it. Well, at the same time, one of the churches that they had planted years before in another part of Las Vegas, they were suffering too. They couldn't pay their bills. They couldn't pay their staff. And so, this church, with their last 75, they wrote their last check to the other church. They said, If we fail, they're going to keep going. They said, We'll sacrifice here so they can keep. They gave generously. This was a church. They didn't say, We need to pay our pastors. We need to take care of us. They said, We want them to keep going. And then, of course, that church is still going and thriving even more. God provided. But take that to a personal level. God will take care of us. So, it takes faith to give generously. And to give sacrificially. Now, where should we go? We'll go to the next one. Number five says, plan and give to God first. It's another principle. You plan to give and you give to God first. Look back at 2 Corinthians 9:7 again, same one we just looked at. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. We already looked at the second part, not reluctantly or under compulsion. God loves a hilarious, a cheerful giver. But look back at that first part. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. That means you've planned on what you're going to give. You've decided in your heart to give and you give that. Meaning you've looked at your budget at home. You've you've talked to your husband, your wife. You've agreed on whatever it is you are to give. And then you go and you give to whether it's a church or, or a missionary or another. You give as you planned. You don't come into something and you're guilted into giving. Oh, you know, now I feel guilty or I'm under compulsion. You plan it, you set aside, and that's what you do. And this is throughout scripture that you plan and you give. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16.2. This is actually the the prequel to what we're reading now. 1 Corinthians 16.2, Paul is talking about this same collection. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 16.2. On the first day of the week... Each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper again, proportionately, so that there will be no collection when I come. But what he was saying is the first day of the week, basically right after you get paid, set aside the amount that you're going to get. Set it aside first. And when I come, we'll, we'll take that. But each week, we get the week. Not four months and go, oh, shoot, how much should we give based on what we made for four months? He says every week. So uh, I would say now that's for, for me, for you, when you get paid. That's a great time to go. We, we just got paid for something. This is how much we're going to give, and we go give. You give to God first. That's a principle throughout Scripture of first fruits. Uh, Proverbs 3 9. Proverbs 3 9 says this Honor the Lord with your wealth. Again, worship. You honor God. You worship God from, from your money, from your wealth, from your material possessions, and with the first fruits of all your produce. So this was a, an agricultural community, an agricultural area. So he says, honor with the first of what you get. So you bring in your crop of grapes before you go sell it or whatever. When you sell it and you get the cash, you give the first. The first and the best that comes in. You don't give your worst. You, you don't give your leftovers. You give your first. You know, if you've ever done Dave Ramsey, <laughs> um, the Manses are a big fan of Dave Ramsey. I am too. But he talks about that. You, you give from your first. You don't give what's left over. So when you create a budget, you don't go, well, we need to pay this, 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 this. And then at the end, go, well, how much should we now give? Really, what you sit down and you do your budget. You go, how much should we give? Now you decide prayerfully between you and God. What is what is proportionate? What is sacrificial? What is generous? All right, we're going to give that amount. Now let's work out the rest of the budget. And let's live on what's left after we give. And so, and that's going to look different. You know, I'd love to tell you it's this percentage. <laughs> but it's different for everybody. But you decide from God and you give first. And you know what? The rest will work its way, way out. People say, well, I can't afford to give. I said, that's because you're giving last. You pay all these bills and you're right, you can't. But if you give first, then you work out your budget. You go, you know what? I don't need this. You know, we're over budget. And then you go back through your budget and you go, oh, well, I don't need that. We well, can, you, you know, you prioritize. But you give to God first. Let's look back, if you would, at the passage we're going through. 2 Corinthians 8. And we're going to just read on. Um, I, wanted we to, I wanted we, I wanted us to get some of these principles that are found elsewhere because I want a whole picture of giving. But come back to Second Corinthians eight, and he says, and we'll just go from verse twelve. He says, for if in the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Give proportionately. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but as a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. Listen to verse 15. This is our last principle that we're looking at. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. This is principle six. God will bless the faithful giver. God will bless the faithful giver. What he's talking about in verse 15, he's referring back to the manna that they gathered the Israelites in the wilderness, God was providing all their food. And they would go out each day and they would collect the manna and they would make bread out of it. They would make stuff. So they would go collect it, but they couldn't keep it till the next day or it would rot and get worms and it would be nasty. And so they would go out and gather and they would always have enough. And though you know those who couldn't gather, others would gather for them or they would share and everybody always had enough. God always provided. And so that's the principle. That's the point Paul is making is you give according to biblical principles and God will take care of you. God will take care of, and that's hard. Uh, to be honest, as a, as a pastor, I struggle with saying give because then God will give back to you because that's the wrong motive. You know. I, and I've heard people say that. I've heard people even teach that. Well, you know, like God is a good investment. <laughs> you know, you go give to, you give your 10% to God and he'll give you 20%. Well, that's bullarchy. <laughs> the Bible doesn't teach that. What the Bible does teach is that God will take care of you. Not according to what you want, but according to what you need. It's not that God is a good investment, but God is a great investment. He'll take care of our needs. He will bless us. Um, Malachi 3.10. This is probably the most popular verse in the Old Testament about giving. But it's, where God, it's the only place in all of Scripture where God says, test me. And he's talking about the tithe. He's talking about Israel bringing their ten percent to the temple. He said, "You are robbing me. You're stealing from me." God is telling this to His people. You're stealing from me because you're not even giving ten percent, and you're coming and you're worshiping anyway. He says, "Bring your whole tithe into the storehouse. Give." And He said, "Test me in this and see that I don't open up the storehouse of heaven for you." He says, "Test me." That's maybe you've heard that say, "You can't outgive God." Well, that's what God said. He said, "You can't outgive me. Test me in this. Give generously. Give sacrificially. Bring it all in, and I'll provide for you." I'll come through every time God says. So test him, test him. Luke six thirty eight. Luke six thirty eight. Says this, Jesus is teaching. He says, "Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you." So this is an uncomfortable principle when we understand God, we're supposed to give it all, not selfishly. But the principle is absolutely that. When you give to him, he will take care of you. Here in in Luke 6.38, he says it'll be given back to you. Press down. So the picture is when you go into the market and uh, you're buying grain. So, you know, here's my shekel or whatever, you know, and I want this much grain. You know, they would try and cheat. You know, they would put it in there, but kind of loose, you know, and so you're not getting all of it. He says, no. The way God gives it to us is, is he gives it out, but he presses it down, compacts it, shakes it, takes, you know, and then fills it again so it's overflowing. That's the way God, God's not stingy. God owns everything. So when he gives back, and the principle is you give and he'll give back, pressed down, shaken, overflowing. With the measure you give, it'll be given back to you. Again, kind of an uncomfortable principle, but it's true. It's right there in scripture. So, kind of go back. And think about what, what I started with, the story of Santa's workshop, <laughs> as I would walk in with my $20 that mom and dad gave me, and I'm going to choose, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? Now look at you guys. We are stewards of what God has given us. I was a steward of that 20 bucks that mom and dad gave to me for other people. You have been blessed. Everybody in this room has been blessed. We live in the greatest country in the world. We are blessed. And everything God has given you, financially but also skill, it, everything you've been given, you're a steward of. It's, it all actually belongs to God. You're just taking care of it for now. And so how are you going to take care of what God has blessed you with and entrusted you with? Are you going to be like me and <laughs> go in and go, well, I get half to buy stuff for myself? Or is your attitude going to be that of, God, it's all yours, and now let's use it wisely. Again, I told you that the, the average Christian gives about 2 to 3% um you know tithe is a 10%. That's what the old testament teaches to give the tithe. If you really go through they gave much more than just 10%. Um now in new testament times the new testament never says give 10%. But it does say give generously and sacrificially. And I'll be completely honest. And this is here's where my bluntness comes out. For most people 2 to 3% is not generous or sacrificial. For most people. Um if that's for me take a message. Um, for most people for you it may be it may be a good starting point to start giving two percent that that's okay if you honestly get together and you look and you go this is generous and sacrificial at the time great great that's okay that's between you and god but what is generous and what is sacrificial uh i was doing research i was just curious you know what's the average car payment average new car payment's almost 500 a month so here I, i'm gonna get into your life a little bit. <laughs> Look at your budget. Where's your money going? How much are you giving to God's work, to charities, to church, to missionaries? What percentage are you giving? And I want go home and look at this. This is a tough conversation, husbands and wives. Go home and look. How much are we giving, honestly? And now, how much are we spending on us that's not needed? Okay. Here we have a car, and the car payment's seven hundred dollars a month. Do we need this car, or would this car? That we could buy for cash or less or whatever. Would this car, do the exact same thing but just not look as cool or not be quite as comfortable. But still be reliable. It's important, I think, to have a reliable vehicle. So don't sell a nice car and go buy a junker that's breaking down all the time. That's, that's not what I'm saying. But, but do you need this? Do you know what I mean? Or look at your house. Um, I was talking to a friend yesterday. I, I didn't even know this. He said, uh, he said you know, we, we just got an offer on our house. We're selling our house. I had no idea you were selling your house. He's like, well, you're not on Facebook then. Yeah, we're selling our house. Um, and the point is, they can sell the house that they're in. And with equity, they can buy something cash. And so th- what they did is they looked and they said, okay, we can, we can sell this. We, okay, we can sell this. And then we can buy this. Go big to small. And we're going to have $1,000 left over. What would we do with an extra $1,000 a month? What could we help? Who could we support? Where could we give? And they made the choice. They're going to sell this, and they're going to buy this so that they have the extra money to give. I think that's the Christian life. And that's hard. (laughs) And this is hard, but because I love you, I want to be totally honest. Let's look at how we live. What can we give up? What can we give up so that we can support others? What if, just dream, what if every Christian in the United States gave 10%, just 10%? What if, oh my goodness, if we did that, We'd fix the welfare system in the U.S. We wouldn't need it anymore because we'd be taking care of those people. We'd be taking care of them. The missionary. We'd have more missionaries. We'd have more church plants <laughs> because all these churches would have all this money. What are we going to do with this? Well, let's plant another church. We got all this extra money. If every Christian just gave ten percent, and it takes faith, it takes faith to give, but we give in response. Now here's the last line. In your handout, it says, if you cannot give generously and sacrificially by faith, trusting that God will provide for you, then, and here's the fill-in, give anyway. <laughs> give anyway. And I, I've heard it taught. I've heard it taught. If you can't give with the right heart, don't give until you have the right heart. I would, I would contradict that. I would say no. If you know you should give, if you know what you should do to be obedient, but your heart's not quite there... Do it anyway, and your heart will catch up. D- do you get what I'm saying? You, you want the faith. You know, I want the faith, and I want the love. Ah, you know, oh, it's hard for me to give. I would say, give anyway, and prayerfully watch God show up for you. Don't give in a selfish way. I'm going to give, and God will give back. But give and, and watch, and then wait and watch. And I believe this, that God will show up. God will do and you'll watch it be used. And you'll go, oh, my goodness, how much fun was that? Just one example. You know, Sarah James and Sarah have a, a, a friend, some friends that are in need that we're supporting. You missed the announcement, but but that's okay. But there's Sarah if you want to talk to her about helping them out. But what joy that is, you know, and they're gonna get the most joy, but we're gonna get to help, but they're gonna be the ones that get to show up and go, you know, here's here's this that God through a group of people provided for you. Oh my God, that's so much fun. <laughs> that's so much fun. Or when you sacrifice, um, a lot your latte a day you for you know what i mean i'm gonna give that up to give and you go you know what it's worth that sacrifice i get to see what god will do or when you give even more than you, maybe you feel you could like some have and then god shows up and provides for you in unusual crazy ways it's fun to give that's when it starts giving fun so I, I, i'm saying try it try it and god will show up and then pretty soon you will be giving joyfully <laughs> and then you'll be adding to it and you'll give even more joyfully and more sacrificially but that's the life that we live. And here's why I'm teaching on this. Matthew six twenty-one, And please turn here because we're, we're done in 2 Corinthians. But turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 21. It's page 560 if you have one of these. And this is why we're teaching on this. Matthew 6, 21. Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm going I'm to start in verse 19. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Where your treasure is will reveal where your heart is. So let's be let's be a body. Let's be a group that gives generously. That gives sacrificially from the right heart, not to get, okay? You know, not because common ground is in need. You know, we're not doing this at the end of the year going, "Hey, we really need your money. Although it would be helpful." Uh, to be honest, it's helpful. There's bills to pay, but God's going to provide. And he already has. <laughs> it's been fun to watch how how week to week God will just provide what we need. Boom, here it is. And, and in a way, God has just said, "Don't worry about it." One example for me is is when when I you know quit my other job, and we didn't know exactly how we were going to live, how God was going to provide, but we said, "God is calling. We're going to do this." And we went for. And other people worried for us, which we appreciate that because they were praying for us. That week, the phone rings. It was really the week I think we decided. We're quitting. We're, this is what we're doing. The phone rings. Hello? Yeah, I need masonry work. <laughs> I haven't done masonry in five years. Who is this person? I, where did you find my number? In the yellow pages? What? <laughs> so God just showed up. You know, and I went, and it was a, it was a good job. He gave me another one, another phone. Hey, we need some brickwork. You brickwork? Where'd you get my number? <laughs> you know, and God just showed up and just provided, and that's what God does for us. He'll provide. So because I love you, though, I want you to understand, I want you to experience this grace of of giving. And in this Christmas season, let's remember, let's meditate on this as as families and as a church family, what Jesus did for us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, um, it is a joy to give biblically. It is a joy to give according to your word.